All right, everyone, welcome back. We took a few days off because uh, we have lives and this is a side project. Um, but anyway, so welcome to part two, where we are going to discuss our top 10 favorite album closers. Uh, so Dylan, bef- before we start, uh, I know we kind of harped on this previously, but what was kind of your, your thinking when choosing your favorite album closers? So there's two, you know, general categories I would, I would put these into one and, and, and you, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, so one category is a good album closer to me summarizes the idea and the concept of the album that it's closing both lyrically thematically and musically um you know in a in a i i prefer them to be you know either a extremely grandiose way or sometimes a a good album closer will be like an epilogue to to a story sure um and so 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 that's one category and the other category is does it leave the listener craving more from the group? Um, you know, does it, does it lead out of the project making you excited for what's next for the artist? Um, and, and, you know, like I said, it's very, very easy to find, uh, or to imagine, songs that fulfill both uh both of those criteria so that's that's more or less what i evaluated my choices on as well as do i like the song or not (laughs) yeah Um, that's probably pretty important too yeah yeah um, you just begrudgingly put this on the list. You're like, I hate this song, but damn, does yeah. it wrap things up nice? <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're, you know, some disgruntled police police chief. It's like, but god damn it! <laughs> 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 you flipped forty cars. <laughs> <laughs> the chief's gonna have my ass for this. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, that's you know when I'm when I, you know, compiled this list, that was what I evaluated the most on. And then, you know, uh, you know, another couple things was like, I didn't want to repeat the same artists if I could avoid it. Um, right. And, uh, you know, for the most part, I, I didn't. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, so I, I pretty much followed the same methods as you. Uh, I think you probably appreciated the songs on some other facets, but when, when I was looking at this, like, obviously these are albums that I, I really like. And I, I found that a, a handful of these are from albums that even have fantastic openers. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, in some case they're a strong, album closers for concept albums. And then I also thought that there were some albums that are just a great collection of songs and the the closing just kind of felt like, you know, a grand finale. Um, and you know, some of those were interchangeable. Um, 
I mean, there, there's a few of he, there's a few of them on this where I felt, yeah, definitely wrapped up either the concept of the the story that the album is telling, or you know, there's an overarching sonic musical theme that kind of you know puts everything together. Um, and I also tried my my hardest to avoid you know, using bands that we've talked about or, or from the, the previous section with, with album openers. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the, the general thing that I did. Um, and I, I ranked these, I don't know if you ranked yours or if you just had like a list of 10. It's unfortunately, I can't, I, I can't make this easy for the listener, but it's kind of a mix of the two. It's like some particular order. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, they're, they're still your top 10. So that's got to be worth something. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, in, in that case, would you like to start us off with your, your first or, or last pick, depending on how you feel? Um, yeah. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to put, you know, my, the first one that I will list, uh, is, is there is a light that never goes out. Ooh. Nice. So famously, you know, probably the most famous song by the Smiths, uh, closing out their 1984 album. Is it 1984? I don't even know. No, I, I couldn't fact check you on that one. Yeah. It, the album is called the queen is dead. And I think that album is a genre defining, uh, you know, almost like a greatest hits out. It could be one of those greatest hits you know, non-greatest hits, greatest hits album. And it's a great soundtrack for celibate vegans. Exactly. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, and, 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 uh, you know, I mean, just the, the, the strength of that album, you know, there's uh, the boy with the thorn in his side and uh, I know it's over and big mouth strikes again. Like these are fucking amazing songs. And then to close the the album with a song like there's a light that never goes out beyond just being as catchy as it is it's so picturesque it's so you know it, there's so much of a scenario that it paints in your head and you know like the the layering of the guitar to, like Johnny Marr is one of the most inventive guitar players without really ever playing a guitar solo and the way that the string section, which is actually a guitar going through a like a early synthesizer, um, the way that it all just kind of like swirls around at the end, it's just it's a I think it's a masterful ending to that album. Yeah, I, I remember Wait, what. Sh- hang on, let me just double check that that song fucking ends the album. Oh God, I'm. Let's just say it does. Or you stop listening to the album by that song. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, no. There is one song after that. Okay. Is it short enough? (laughs) Wait. Shit. Shit. Can can we edit this part? Yeah, I could. Yeah, hold on. Um, Are you going to choose a different song? Yes. Okay. Feel free to start whenever. All right, so Dylan, okay. what if you want to start us off? What what was your uh, your first or last pick, depending on what direction you want to go in? Yeah, so uh, last pick. Uh, yeah, I, I would call this towards the bottom tier of this. Um, 
I'm gonna. Uh, uh, I have uh, "Days of Candy" by Beach House off of Ooh. their 2015 album "Depression Cherry." Wonderful. That's a good choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like this album a lot, um, and uh, you know, I think it's a very. I think it covers the sonic, dreamy, lush textures that the band visits on this album super well, super concisely. Um, You know, I would say it is a really great, uh, like, I think it's a very succinct ending to to that album. And and I think Depression Cherry is a very, um, it's a very, like, you know, like like a like a Facebook meme page about music. Uh, it's I would say it's like up there with Loveless and uh, the Flower Boy by Tyler the Creator as like one of those albums. Like a lot of indie people really know very well, right? Right. And with good reason. And I think that Days of Candy uh, ends it very well. I uh, I'm actually a pretty big fan of I I. I for- I guess I'm not really that big of a fan if I can't remember it, but um, I, I like Beach House, and I honestly couldn't explain what the genre was except for indie. Um, it's like dream pop, I think. Is I, a, is I, a yeah, word for it. I I'm a huge fan of Teen Dream. That's the name of the album, the 2010 okay. one. Uh, I I love listening to it whether I'm like walking outside or um, just trying to relax. Um, did you know that the song Silver Soul is sampled in Kendrick Lamar's Money Trees? Oh. It's like, it's, extr- it's, um, it's sped up. So like the pitch is heightened. So I, I couldn't tell. But whenever I listen to that song, I'm like, something about this sounds familiar. And then my friend Josh, shout out to Josh Ford. He sent me a playlist of songs that are sampled in, in hip hop and mm. Silver Soul was, you know, matched next to Money Trees. And I'm like, holy shit, that's that's so clever. Um, but yeah, just a little fun factoid. Interesting. I got to check out that song again. Yeah, it's it's a good one. Um, yeah. With both songs. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I, I'm a big fan good of that, of Kendrick Lamar's, uh, what is it, Good Kid, Mad City? Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah, a great yeah. one. Oh, yeah, I mean, see, I, I, when I was compiling this list, I was like, for some reason in my head, Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst is an album closer, but it's not. Like, there's a few more songs after it. But it could it totally really be one. Feel, it really feels like it should be the album closer. You know what's funny? I actually looked up that song because I thought it was an album closer. And I was, because <laughs> I was like, I need, I need like some hip hop. Like, I don't want people to think I'm just listening to rock and roll. But, yeah. you know, like, I, there, there's certain um, hip hop and rap that, I'm a huge fan of, but I, I guess it wasn't really applicable to some of these topics. We'll have to we'll have to do something to shed some light and yeah. you know get, give the appropriate praise. Um, all right, shall I go? Go for it. All right, so for my number ten, uh, I chose the song "Re Stacks" by Bon Iver off of "For okay. Emma Forever Ago." The you know it's you know our gen- our generation's you know indie breakup record. That's our generation's rumors. Um, oh shit! <laughs> wow. Okay. How's that for a little bomb? Look at that. 
Look at that. <laughs> you know, okay, th- th- I'm getting way too sidetracked, but I, th- I'm so bothered. I, I don't hate it, but I'm unsettled by the amount of people that listen to the Rumors album by Fleetwood Mac. Like, everyone I know is taking pictures and, like, putting on Instagram, like, I'm listening to Dreams right now. And I'm like, yeah. like what? I, I don't get it. Like, I listened to Fleetwood Mac when I was a kid, and now all these, you know... Like basic white girls are like, oh my god, Stevie Nicks is life, and I'm like, I I don't, I I don't know what what caused the resurgence of that, but you know, good on them. I'm glad more people yeah, should listen I mean, to that, Fleetwood that, Mac. That happens a lot. Like, there's a lot of, you know, my sister was talking about how she went thrifting all the time in high school, and nobody would care. It wasn't like the cool thing to do. And then once she got, once she started going to college when she was back home, she would like go thrifting and bump into all those same people from high school who wouldn't give a shit about thrifting. It's, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy because I, I think, you know, more people should listen to Fleetwood Mac. I think, I think they're, they're a great band. A lot of their early stuff is pretty awesome. Cause I remember you showed me some of their early stuff and it's completely different from rumors. Um, but like Peter Green. Yes. Yes. Uh, but before we, the, this, spirals yeah. out of control um so bon Iver, forever forever ago uh it's a great breakup record uh it's i i think there's a, a great um i would say lump sum of songs in in the record uh but i think that this is a really great way to end the record because it it kind of has that you know pretty uh dreamlike you feel like you're floating on a lake and you have Bon Iver's, you know, on the brink of crying voice. And uh, it just kind of wraps things up nicely. I don't, it, it kind of gives you some closure, but it it kind of puts you in the mood to kind of listen to it again or listen to another Bon Iver record. Uh, I'm just a big fan. I don't really have too much to say about it, but I, it's a good one. Gotcha. I'm not, I, I'm not as familiar with the album as I probably should be, but, you know, I have a cursory knowledge of it, and, and, I, and I remember that song being super good. All right, sounds good. So, All right. solid choice. All right, Dilly Dog, what's what's your next? <laughs> so, um, this isn't in my rank. Like Again, this isn't ranked, but I feel like I should uh, throw this one out there because it's similar to the Bon Iver song, and the album is similar to the Bon Iver album. Um, but I also have... Blue Bucket of Gold by Sufjan Stevens from his 2015 album Carrie and Lowell. Oh, um, now now you use the opener for that too as well, right? Yes. So okay. so this is where I have this is the only time I believe that I've repeated an artist. I mean, both repeated an artist and repeated an album. And that's okay so, if it means that much to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I think this is a fucking flawless album. Like, there's no point on it where, in my opinion, I, I really get sick of it. And I think that it's a fucking beautiful story he tells, like a heartbreaking story he tells. And, you know, I, you know, the middle tracks are just as good as the opening and the closing. But damn it, if it's not a really, really great opener and re- like, I would say that the closing track is even better than the opening track as a closer and as a song, you know what I mean? Like in its role as well as song quality. And that, because, that's all you can ask for in 
in a song, you know? Yeah. Song. And, and it, it, there's this, you know, it's, it, the song is just him morosely sort of, re, you know, reflecting on all of it at a piano just by himself. Um, and then there are these sort of ambient haunting, like, you know, high drone tones over, you know, sort of layering in and, and kind of lifting it up and, you know, these harmonies and stuff. But most of it is him just sort of sitting at his piano. But then after the last sort of vocal part, it kind of trails off into this soaring, ambient, you know, weird, you know, with some you know interesting frequencies like where it's just his sort of falsetto voice kind of morphing into the drone tone. And, you know, it's just, it, it sounds like you're in this dark lagoon, uh, you know, but in a nice way. <laughs> and, and you know, stuff is sort of glowing around you. Uh, it, it, it's this ethereal sound that he was able to create. And, Along with how sad the 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 actual the lyrics and the and the vocal melodies and stuff are, I find it to be just an absolutely perfect ending to that album. Nice, I <laughs> I, I respect that album. I could never get through it though. I've given it multiple mm. times, not because it's bad, but you know, <laughs> it's just you don't it's just be so sad. Like. I, I love music that is sad. Um, you know, it, it's great to be able to express that through music. There's plenty of albums that I listen to that are sad. But there's something about this one that is particularly sad. And it reminds me of that Louis C.K. bit where, like, he can't get the dog. And he's like, fine, we'll, we'll get the dog. You're, you're bumming everyone out. Like, I just feel like that, I, that that's the kind of thing that I feel when I listen to it. I'm like, oh, God, you're this is really bumming me. Like, just... You know, I, I have to change it. I like the songs piecemeal. I, I can't sit through the whole thing. Right. But it's, well, it's a fantastic record. Yeah. I, you know, definitely next time it rains, I'm telling you. If you, next time you wake up and it's raining outside and you don't have anything to do for the day, just ruin your day. I and might. I might. <laughs> T- tomorrow it's going to thunderstorm. So I think this, this will be perfect. Yeah. If you're, if you don't have any, if you don't have any plans for the morning, <laughs> I really recommend just kind of wallowing in this album. All right, I'm I'm a big fan of Seven Swans. Okay, that's a good one too. Um, yeah, and Michigan. Yeah, the more I think about it, this I mean, 2015 was a really great year for music. Oh yeah, I I took a note somewhere. 2014, like early 2010s, were just fucking yeah. bomb. Yeah, I mean, I I have like three songs, I mean, three album closers from 2015. Oh, wow. That I'm, yeah, like the Beach House album. And I mean, I'll get to them. But Carrie and Lowell also came out in 2015. Sounds good. All right, so for my, my number nine, I think I might have shown you this song before, but it's called Tenderness by Parquet mm-hmm. Courts uh, off of their Wide Awake album. Uh, this is a band that I actually discovered because so I think I was just scrolling through Pitchfork one day and they're like, you got to check out this album. And I'm like, fine. And I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Um, I This is actually one of the few 
solidly happy albums that I listen to. It's very dancey and, you know, it's very poppy and it's exciting. And I just want to, you know, like soak up the sun and just be like really happy. I'm like, nothing's going to get in my way. And then reality <laughs> hits. But, um, <laughs> but this, first of all, I highly recommend the album in general. Uh, but this one, I really like the song Tenderness because it closes the album in a way that feels like a curtain call. Like it almost feels like you play it as the, the band members like get up to the front of the stage and bow and they're like, you know, thanking the audience and all that. Like, it's just, it's really fun. Uh, and it's like, it's like poppy and a little bit of like happy-ish punk. And it's just, uh, I don't really know. Like the, the arrangement of it is, is very, uh, like anyone who likes indie music will enjoy it. Like it's, you know, typical like indie pitchfork music, but this one just hit right when I listened to it. So I, I'm very grateful that I, I bumped into this album and, mm. you know, props to the closer. Nice. Nice. I got to check that album out. I think you'll really like it. Cool. So <laughs> cool. All right. You done? All right. No, 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 I'm sorry. Like, I don't know the album, so I don't have much to. Yeah. yeah no, that's uh, fair. That's fair. Respond. <laughs> You're like, okay, you done. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, should I go? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, uh, so the next one I have is, and I think these are mostly ranked the more I look at it, but next one I have is A World Alone by Lord. Which one is that on? Her 2013 album, Pure Heroin. Ooh. Um, I love that album. Uh, I actually really didn't give her second out, uh, melodrama, I believe it's called. I really only listened to that a couple times and I just never really followed up on it. I should check it out again. It's been like three years since it released. It's uh, I'm a big fan. Oh yeah. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. There's, there's a few songs that I particularly love. Uh-huh. Um, I'll send, I'll send those to you. Sure. The ones that I recommend. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Lord is like a, is, you know, just so talented. I saw her, uh, live when we were seniors, um, in, so in 2014 in oh, nice. New York. Yeah. It was a really great show. There were only like 2000 people in that whole venue. And, uh, we were super, I went with my sister. We were super close to the stage and, uh, she, she closed her set with this song. Uh, it makes sense. Um, and I think it, it, it really summarizes like, again, sonically it, has all of the trappings of a, at least for that album, of a Lord song. Um, I do remember melodrama being much more elaborate in terms of the production and the, and the sure. uh, you know, the musical choices. Uh, but, you know, for that album, I think A World Alone does summarize it very well. And especially I think that the, the, the theme of the lyrics uh, as it relates to the the general concept of the other songs on that album, uh, sort of, uh, you know, getting older and and being, you know, finding out true friends, you know, clinging to your true friends and, and um, you know, that kind of thing. I think A World Alone 
summarizes that very well. You know, you're my best friend and we're dancing through this world alone. And with all the vocal harmonies and stuff that she's she's so good at. Um, I, I think, and then I think that last coda where it's just, it's really just vo- like a vocal harmony going, people are talking, people are talking, let them talk. Like that, that part, I think it ends the album very tastefully. Nice. I, I don't, particularly remember that song so i'll have to revisit Mm -hmm. it but i remember i think we were at our sister's like dance recital once and i remember you showed me tennis courts because i i only knew uh oh god royals is that what it is yeah 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 no that was because i remember we i think i uh i i have a distinct memory of us in ap bio and i was like (laughs) Hey, how about Royals, <laughs> but it's about circumcisions, and it's... Because we'll, we'll never, never be Royals. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sure Lord would really appreciate that. I'm sure. And also, fun fact about Lord: uh, did you know that she's actually a middle-aged man in Colorado named Stan Marsh? It's no, not Stan Marsh, Randy Marsh. Yeah, she's a, she also, she's done really a lot of really good work in geology. they they moved Um, on to the the hamburger business yeah the um and i you know it's not an it's not an album closer so i couldn't really but i have to give an honorable mention to the song on this album um it's like i am lord yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) oh god Uh, i think that i think american culture really peaked in 2013 I'd say so. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, all right. Shall I move on? Go for it. So this this is one... Uh, I don't know if you'll know this. Uh, this comes from a band called Starfucker, or S-T-R-F-K-R. Uh, yeah. So this song is called Night Right, uh, and it closes the album... I, I'm so unprepared. I'm sorry. I keep... I, keep, I, I think it's called... Uh, fucking Miracle Mile. That's what it's called. Uh, so this is their 2013 album, Miracle Mile. Uh, one of my favorite albums from this uh, group, particularly. Uh, one thing that I like about it is that it kind of like what uh, Daft Punk did with Random Access Memories, where they took traditionally like dance techno music and used real instrumentation to get the same effect. And that, that's something that I really appreciate because I, I do find something uh, rewarding about the instrumentation process. Uh, So, I mean, there are some synths and techno technological aspects to this, but you know, if you went live, they, you know, they would play, the guitar, the keyboard, the drums, and it'll sound pretty much the same. So I really do enjoy that. And it's very, um, you know, takes me back to high school. Uh, but Night Right is, you know, the seven-minute closer that follows and, and seamlessly transitions from the penultimate track, Golden Light. And it's just very, you know, bass-heavy and puts you in a trance. There's nothing that's like lyrically important to me. It's, it's almost, it's basically instrumental. Uh, but I just, I love the way that it just kind of closes out the album. It's very meditative. Uh, 
I, I like to fall asleep to this song or, uh, this is also an album that I revisited when I, when I was up late doing homework or lab reports and stuff. So this, this song took me through quite some time. I honestly don't really have too much to say for it. I just really enjoy the song. <laughs> yeah. Again, I can't really, I personally don't have much to contribute because I don't know the song. Um, I only know a couple songs by Starfucker. They're pretty good. Uh, but I haven't really, you know, dove deep too much into it, but I, I definitely am going to check this one out. Yeah, it's good. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you the link to that one. Sweet. All right. Now, now Dylan, you don't have to ask. I, I'm done. You can move on to the next one. <laughs> um, yeah. So the next one I have, and I, this might, I, I, I'm interested in, in your reaction to this, but, um, Next one I have is is actually Pigs on the Wing Part Two. What? Yeah. Explain. <laughs> so, so I was I was thinking I mulled this over a bit because I was like, this is definitely going to confuse him because even in, as far as Pink Floyd goes, I could have picked Echoes, I could have picked Shine on You Crazy Diamond Six Through Nine, I could have picked Eclipse. Uh, you know, there, it, there's so many to choose from. I chose Pig on the Wing Part Two because, to me, the you know, obviously, the animals for the you know, to, for to the to the listener who might not know what I'm talking about, Pigs on the Wing Part Two is the closing song from Pink Floyd's 1977 concept album Animals. Um, and so, so obviously. The album is dogs, pigs, and sheep. Um, you know the middle three tracks. I, I don't. I don't. You, you know the 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 comparison isn't even. It's laughable. Like the p- pigs on the wing one and part two are like bookends to. Yes. Yeah. And so that's why I picked pigs on the wing part two, because to me, it's almost like you're you've just completed this marathon through these three titanic uh you know sprawling songs that go into the darkest parts of you know western society you know, modern western society and really illuminate the you know just the the slimy scraggly calcified bits and, and, and powerful people and, 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 you know, the, just the darker parts of how society is structured. Um, and then to me, pigs on the wing part two is just this kind of, it's like you and one other person just kind of looking at each other exhausted and just kind of reminding each other that, you know, yes, all of this is happening and all of this sucks, but as long as we have each other, it's not so bad, uh, or we can we can make it through. And it, you know, I almost feel like you know, I'm, it, it, it's this sort of you know, you're the like you've just completed this sprint and this you're exhausted and you're it's almost like you're getting over like a sickness, um, and you're feeling your nose unclog and. And your, you know, your your head is settling and stuff, and and it's just this quiet respite, and you know, you hear birds chirping in the background, and it's just this, you know, simple little acoustic guitar, simple chord progression, and 
yeah, to me, I think it really, it, it, you can't have, I think personally for a middle section as tumultuous as dogs, pigs, and sheep are, you can't have anything too explosive to end it. And that's why I think, you know, outside the wall ends the wall super well as well. And it's why it's, it's, you know, animals is almost structurally the inverse of wish you were here where with wish you were here, the, the book ending opening and closing tracks are the real, um, you know, magnum. Right. Opi right. Right. Of the, of like, the, yeah, like the, the meat is the beginning and the end as opposed to the, yeah. yeah. As opposed to the middle in, in animals. So I think that I admire, especially because of, to me, it shows that Pink Floyd can do both. Um, you know, you compare Pigs on the Wing Part 2 to Eclipse, and they're both vastly different album closing. And I, I think Eclipse is far and away a better song, but I think that Pigs on the Wing Part 2 suits the album very well, and it. I just feel like this sense of like. <sighs> I can, I, you know, I'm, I'm taking a, I'm finally taking a breath and appreciating for now who I have in front of me. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I actually do enjoy the song. And I, when I said what originally, it was more because I thought that you would choose something else, <laughs> but not that it was a bad choice. And, mm-hmm. and for, I for me, I, I just think I subverted expectations on that. No, I mean it's it's clever, um, and that's what makes this so fucking interesting. Um, <laughs> that's showbiz, and uh, what, one thing that I I, I think it might be influenced by the fact that this album is based on George Orwell's nineteen eighty four novel. Um, but I think it's actually based on Animal Farm. Did I just say nineteen eighty four? Yeah. God damn it, <laughs> Animal Farm. <laughs> Oh my god! No worries. Yeah, that—that's what I meant. I promise. I—I I knew that. Um, but the reason I say that is because it almost feels like you know, like those '90s Disney movies where it's like it—it's like someone's telling a story, and then the end of the movie or TV show, you see them like closing the book, like it pans out of the frame, yeah, and it's like, like that someone fucking the Michael Scarn. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I guess you could you could use that too. But like that that song almost feels like you're closing the book. And yeah, um, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but I believe that when when Roger Waters was writing the you know the first and second part of Pigs on the Wing, it's kind of showing like his inner turmoil prior to and post finding his wife at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And how like the, the second part is like he's made peace with some of his um, his issues and like his wife has given him like a like a second wind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if mm-hmm. that is correct, but, uh, you know, that that is just another layer that that, you know, because it's only what, like a like a minute and a half. So like yeah. there there are layers to it. And um, it's it's a great listen. Uh, I love I love animals. It's a, it's a great it's a great album and I wouldn't usually, I'll be honest. I don't think I would ever listen to pigs on the wing one or two like by itself, 
but mm-hmm. it's great as you know as part of the the system. And that's the criteria I evaluated it on. Like I personally, I don't think I would ever. You like I'm, someone hands cr- you the aux cord. You're like, yo, pigs on the wing part yeah. two. Let's turn up. <laughs> right. But to me, when I'm listening to al- animals, um, as I hear that final like whirlwind, you know, lightning bolt riff from sheep, like that that part. As you know, you know, you're being like lifted up for the final time in this in this, you know, stormy sea, the, you know, having the, you know, hearing the, 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 the field noises and the birds chirping and the acoustic guitar coming back in for Pigs on the Wing Part 2 is like the sun, like the clouds parting. And, and you're, you know, it's like, you, you know, you, you made it through. Right. And, and I and I appreciate it very much for how it closes the album. Absolutely, I, I think it's a great pick. Um, shall I move on? Let's do it. All right. So for number seven, uh, let's see here. Number seven is the song "Release" by Pearl Jam, off of their <laughs> debut record Ten. Uh, Pearl Jam means a lot to me. Uh, I you know bonded with my dad listening to Pearl Jam all the time. Uh, this this song in particular, uh, th- there were a couple albums by Pearl Jam where I thought they actually had pretty decent closers. Uh, but this one in particular is just fantastic because, um, you know, this is their debut album. And a lot of people know the songs like Even, Flow, Alive, Jeremy, all, all that stuff. But this song... Uh, in particular is is extremely powerful, especially for, you know, a grunge band, uh, you know, releasing their, their first album. And the reason Eddie Vedder wrote this was when he was older, uh, he found out that uh, his father that he knew growing up was actually his stepfather and that his biological father had, had died when he was young. So he never had the chance to meet his father. So he wrote this for his father, his biological father, uh, you know, just kind of saying like, I, like, I don't know where you are and I didn't meet you. And I, I hope that you're proud of who I am if, if you're watching over. And it's, it's an extremely beautiful song. It, it has, it has this, this lingering, uh, opening riff that, that goes throughout most of the song. And, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder's vocals are undeniably fantastic. I would never be able to sing this song. Uh, but I remember they played this in concert once and like, I, I welled up because it's just such a beautiful song and, you know, he's belting on the top of his lungs. Uh, so that is, it's a fantastic song and I highly recommend it. And I don't know if you are aware of this song, but this, this one I, I highly recommend because I, I think that you would enjoy it. Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely got to check it out because, um, I, I unfortunately am really only familiar with, you know, Alive and, and Jeremy, but that being said, uh, I, I believe that, that, you know, strife over his father 
um, is, you know, you hear allusions to it in, uh, in Alive, too, yeah. I believe. So well, he, then, he explains it in Alive, and then, like, he quite literally explains what what happened, and then this is kind of his his way of, you know, dealing with it. Right, right. Um, yeah, and, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, 10 is just one of those, one of those albums, right? Where it's just, um, I, I mean, iconic. And, and, and it's kind of crazy to, to think that's their debut album. You know, few artists can really boast and, you know, a debut album that's that uh, powerful, right? Just bursting onto the scene like that. Yeah, ab- um, absolutely. Um, and, you know, this is a conversation for for later, but I think a lot of people just know them for, for that album, but their later work, you know, they, they do work hard to evolve their sound and, and keep mm-hmm. the strong messages. And I, I think they execute it well, but this, this song in particular is just fucking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, I gotta, I gotta check that album out again. Really give it the, the time of day. <laughs> All right. All right, Dylan, what's, what's your next pick? Uh, so the next one I have is uh, new person, same old mistakes by Tame Impala. Excellent. I, I was waiting of, for you to put that, uh, a song by uh, yeah. Tame Impala. And, and, and so Tame Impala is one of my favorite bands. And I was like, which one, which one am I going to go with? And I think, um, you know, I think new, per- like even the currents is not my favorite Tame Impala album. New person, same old mistakes is one of my favorite songs by them. I think it's, it very, firmly cements itself into the category of like I just I remember the first time I heard that song I was like I want to hear more of their stuff I need more material from Tame Impala god damn it and <laughs> you know because I, I started listening to them in like 2012 when Lonerism came out and it took I waited like three years for this for for Currents and then I was like I need more and then it was going to be another five fucking years before their next album. And frankly, I don't think it's as good as Lonerism or Currents, but I think New Person, Same Old Mistakes very much sounds like this, you know, machine, this, this beautiful psychedelic swirling vortex, just, you know, like yeeting through space. <laughs> And, uh, very eloquently put. <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. That's yeah. That's why I. That's that's my rationale. Oh, it's not yeah. a very. Uh, I think I think lyrically it's a very good. Um, you know, it summarizes the concept. You know that that album of you know lyrically he's exploring him changing as a person and and growing as a as a person. And I think. New person, same old mistakes is a very tongue in cheek sort of. Yeah, I've changed, I've grown, but how much have I changed or grown? Right, right. Um, it's actually funny you said that because I almost put "Let It Happen" as one of my favorite openers. Mm. I really mm. like the way that that song is stretched out. 
where it's like you know upbeat and all that stuff and then it starts like there's like that weird interlude where it's almost like you're in like a whirlpool and then you hear the strings building up and i'm like this is fucking trippy it's awesome and you know speaking as to let it happen as an opener it really does like introduce you to a whole new sound for the band like a whole new sonic direction because it sounds nothing like lonerism oh of course not inner speaker and lonerism are completely different from currents in the slow rush Mm -hmm. without a doubt Mm -hmm. and we'll you know sneak peek because we'll be talking about this in the near future but <laughs> absolutely and 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 i should say that uh tame impala's currents uh to my to my knowledge here as i'm looking at it completes the the bingo of 2015 albums oh okay nice so, again solid year for music we got you know there's to pimp a butterfly currents carry and lowell uh, Depression Cherry, like all these, all these nifty albums. Hmm. Good stuff. So, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. What do I have next? Six. Oh, I'm excited to talk about this one. Sun Kill Moon. If anyone knows who this is, he, uh, so that run by the artist from Red House Painters, Mark Kozlik. He's, a dick, but he's like, he's one hell of a songwriter. Um, so this song is called Ben's My Friend, and it closes his 2014 effort, Benji, which is easily one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I've spoken to you about this before, but I'm kind of s- simple minded when it comes to lyrics. Like, there, you know, like, as you adequately put it the other day, um, there's certain songs and lyrics or things that people say that you can chew on, where like you could let it sit and try to figure out the meaning of it. Sometimes I'm really bad at figuring out some of the poetry of different song lyrics. One thing that I really enjoy and appreciate about Sun Kill Moon slash Mark Kozlik is that he just kind of rambles and tells a story like prose it's not really set up poetically um but it still has the same effect because he's he's most often more often than not he is basically just playing a nylon string guitar and you know playing very uh like classical and and gaelic style folk music and it's it's very soothing and you just kind of get to sit down and listen to him tell a story whether it's about his mother or, or a cousin that has passed or, um, his random run-ins with strangers at coffee shops. Like it's really like he talks about the most mundane things, but it's really kind of putting his psyche under a microscope because the things that he points out are particular because he, you know, he edits what, what he puts in. Um, this song in particular, I, I love this was the first song that I ever heard by sun kill moon. And I was immediately hooked. Uh, and it's got, you know, the, the nylon chord progression and later on there's like a saxophone and there's percussion and it's really just, I, I love it. It's, I highly recommend it to anyone. Um, but basically the story that, that this follows is it kind of follows, um, Mark Kozlik's issues with kind of 
getting older and not necessarily feeling like he's fading out, but feeling like he's losing some steam as an artist, whether, you know, you know, he wakes up in the morning and he, he grabs lunch with his girlfriend and he goes shopping and he's trying to come up with, with a song, like he's having uh, writer's block and you follow him uh, trying to deal with that and, and coming to terms with like, I'm just not as creative as before. And the second half of it is, uh, like he he goes to a festival and he sees his friend Ben Gibbard, who at the time was uh, popular through the Postal Service, and now uh, now he's in Death Cab for Cutie. So he's everyone that I know probably is is aware of who Ben Gibbard is. But basically, um, it talks about how you know Ben was a friend of his that was. Uh, an artist that was working up to, you know, the level of Mark Koslick, you know, you were in the Red House Painters, you know, extremely popular uh, shoegaze band. And now it's kind of like the rules are reversed where the Postal Service is up and all the all these fans are getting all excited and all these eager, t- you know, teenagers trying to get backstage passes. And he's like, oh, the you know, these days are, are beyond me. Uh, so that that's kind of the, the gist of, of the song. And Aside from it being musically pleasing, it is kind of an interesting story to listen to and just to see what Mark's thoughts are. Um, and it is funny it, because there, there is a particular, I honestly want to call it a scene in the in the song where he's sitting down at a bar and grill and he's trying to think of like a song and he sees uh, on the menu that there's blue crab cakes. So he's like, blue crab cakes, trying to make a chorus out of it. Or he's like, I'm looking around, I see all this sports bar shit. He's like, sports bar shit. And it's just, it's really <laughs> funny. Um, but I, I highly recommend checking out this this album. Uh, but I, I think this is a fantastic closer. Uh, kind of depressing, because he, based on the, the message of it. But it's it's quite a story. Interesting. I'm always so jealous about people who can, like, literally, like, point at things and write songs about them. Yeah, I'll never be able to do it. <laughs> um, that, that's that's cool. I mean, you know, this is not meant in any with any other undertones. But you are the literally the only person I know that listens to Sun Kill Moon. I guess I'm pretty unique. <laughs> I'd say so, and um, so you know, I, I don't have nearly the depth of knowledge about about him as much as you do, but you know, I've, I've really enjoyed everything that you've shown me about him. And, and I remember we were in that guitar center once and you were playing that song on an acoustic guitar. Oh yeah. Allison. Yeah. And, and you, it was in some funky tuning, I believe. Yes. And, uh, something like open C or something. I I think I might be remembering this wrong, but I think there's something called Celtic tuning. Oh yes, that's Dad Gad, right? Dad Gad, yes. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's that's actually the cashmere tuning. Oh, is well. it really? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Somehow it sounds both Celtic and Middle Eastern. Yeah. Somehow, but uh, yeah, no, I really, I really did like that song a lot, and yeah, I mean, you sounded very good singing it too. Oh, <laughs> thank you. 
Um, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I, one, one thing to add as well, because I love pointing out a good Reddit community for those of you who do, uh, have the capacity to, you know, sit down and actually tolerate sun kill moon because it's not, it's not for everyone because it's, it really is just a guy barely singing. He's just kind of talking and rambling on and, you know, you, you get used to some of the stuff that he goes over and the, the typical tropes that he carries. But, um, the there's a there's a subreddit through indie heads where it's like roast sun kill moon and i <laughs> i i don't think i've laughed harder than when i've read through that like there's one and i think maybe you'll understand it because like i i think i showed you ben's my friend and you're like oh it's pretty mm-hmm. wordy but there's <laughs> there's like <laughs> there's like a like you know live from like you know basement recordings it's like Sub Subway sandwich variations from 1998 to 2004. Like, <laughs> 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 I could just imagine. Uh, all right, but anyway, that that's all I have to say about that. Interesting. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, yeah, I was going to be like, hey, how about a really sh- shitty joke? And I'd be like, of course the sun kills the moon. It's like way the fuck bigger. Oh my god! You know, well, Sun Kill Moon is actually uh, the name of a Korean boxer, oh. so that's how he got the name. I assume the the maybe the, the pun has something to do with it. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. All right. What's your pick? Oh, we're so we're in the top half now, aren't we? Look at that! We did it. Um. So, ta- so the next one I have is Farewell and Good Night. Oh, of course. Yeah, uh, somewhat predictably. Um, I think, you know, I mean, Melancholy, so again, for the listener, this is from the 1995 double album by The Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and The Infinite Sadness. Um, I think Farewell and Goodnight ends this album really, really well. I've gotten a new appreciation for it in the last, you know, couple months or so. Uh, It's my opinion... And it's the correct opinion that Melancholy <laughs> was really the last, like, you know, spellblindingly good album that the Smashing Pumpkins have made. And it's the last album that had all four of the original members on it. And I think it's really fitting that this is a song that has all four of them singing at some point or another. And it's just like a simple three chord lullaby. And, but it, it, it kind of just like, you know, floats up and, and it just goes and there's a, there's a piano line that comes after it that I just love. And we've talked about this already in our Smashing Pumpkins episode. Right. But to me, it sounds like, you know, I'm very influenced by the album artwork whenever I'm listening to and perceiving an album. So to me, that last reverby echoey piano melody very much makes me think of the you know the woman on the cover sort of flying through space and while you know through the album you've been sort of in lockstep with her kind of on this journey now she's just kind of overtaken you and you just kind of see her disappearing off into the into the you know the blackness absolutely so that's my that's my 
Farrell and Goodnight shtick spiel. I love it. <laughs> I, w- I won't say too much because I know that we've we've already shared some comments about it, but it's an absolute mm-hmm. banger of a of an album, and it you know it ends perfectly. So yeah. I respect that choice. All right, what we got here? Number five. Now, actually, I I think I want to switch my number six with my number five now that I think about it, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I had to give the Beatles their fair share of attention. Uh, So I'm going to stick with A Day in the Life off of their Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album. Now, this song, when I first heard it, I knew, I was like, this is this is special. Um, and I, I love that there's different movements. Uh, and it was only, a, I only realized this within the past couple of years that this concept album was like the, the Beatles are playing as a different band. Like they are the, you know, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band and how this is kind of like, you know, their, their ending song and everything after, after the applause and, and all that stuff. And I really love, you know, the, the piano parts in the beginning and then it, it speeds up to, uh, like when he wakes up and, uh, you know, he's running out the door and you hear the, him like heavily breathing and it's, it's just, it's so fun to listen to. And, you know, you can't help but mention, you know, the disorienting end where there's just all this, you know, like whirring and, uh, it's really just disorientation and there's just this cacophony of, of sounds. And then it finally ends with the, what is it? Like five pianos at the same time with that last chord. And you're like, Dong! and it's just like, Oh my God. When I first heard it, like, I wish I could hear it for the first time again. It was just, it's great. Um, I don't have too much to say about it cause there, there's other tracks in, on the list that I have much more to say about and I don't want to waste anyone's time but <laughs> it I, most people probably know this one and you probably know why I chose it so that's all I have to say about that yeah I mean the a day in the life is actually it's, it's my favorite Beatles song even though oh is it really Sgt. Pepper yeah even though Sgt. Pepper's is not my favorite album my favorite Beatles album um I have the closing song of my favorite Beatles album actually next um, as a good segue. Uh, but, but A Day in the Life is a great glimpse into, I don't know, it, it, like, I think it's John Lennon at one of his most cynical. And I think it's, it's you know, just about as you know, evocative and brilliant songwriting as you can get. And it took me a while to really appreciate it because I, I grew up listening to uh, the Beatles. Like one of my, you know, one of my oldest memories is um, getting a new stereo in my house in Texas. And I moved to, I moved to Jersey in 2001 when I was five. So this is like, I'm like three years old in this memory. Um, new stereo, and my dad had gotten Sgt. Pepper's um, and, and, and tested out the stereo with it. And I was like, whoa. You know, <laughs> like, whatever abstract thoughts a three-year-old can have. But I remember it vividly. I remember the opening of, you know, the first track on it. And 
question, but for me, you know, the melody of A Day in the Life, like the Lennon parts specifically, are something I've just kind of grown up with, like that song. But it, it, it took me until I was, you know, quite a bit older to pay attention to the lyrics and, and really um, and really kind of appreciate the, you know, the cynicism in them. Right. I mean, it's so, great. It's great. Yeah. Oh, man. Choice. All right. So what's your Beatles song? Yeah. So the next one, so mine is the closing track to the album that came out before Sgt. Pepper's. And of course I'm referring to the album Revolver, my favorite Beatles album uh, from 1966, which ends with the song Tomorrow Never Knows. Um, to me, this is not only a great summation of what the Beatles have done in Revolver. So I'll backtrack and say that Revolver to me is very much the signifier of the new era of the Beatles. You know, the oh, new absolutely. Era. Yeah. Yeah. Rubber Soul is them sort of teetering on the edge there between the old and the new. And Revolver is them fully teetering off into the into this new dimension that they were writing songs in. And uh, I think Tomorrow Never Knows really signifies, again, both from a musical and from a lyrical standpoint, that there's almost no going back for the Beatles. Um, such, you know, it's not a love song. There's no pining or anything in it. It's just, you know, turn off your mind and relax and float downstream. Existential thoughts and, and concepts and philosophies. And you can argue that maybe Lennon was just kind of blowing it out of his ass, but I do appreciate this new foray into this into this new world of songwriting. And I think that um, it, you know, I think of what it must have been like to be a Beatles fan and listening to this in 1966. I would have been personally so excited to see what comes next. And I think it's a great foreshadowing, it, like, to me, it does both the job of rounding out this amazing album in a succinct and exciting way, but it also foreshadows this amazing new few years that the, the Beatles are going to be writing songs in. Nice. I, I'm a big <laughs> fan of that, that album, too. I keep saying I'm a big fan. Like, I, I sound like Donald Trump. I'm like, oh, he's a big, big fan. Um the but I, I really do. I re- I I um I remember I I think it was during my my summer internship at at Brigham and Women's when I decided to do like that deep dive into the Beatles because I was doing that that thing where I try to listen to at least one album every day that I haven't listened to from beginning to end. And I think one of the first things I did was I started with the Beatles and I I did you know most of their albums and I remember uh revolver being like how did i miss this like th- th- there's just so many fantastic uh like i'm only sleeping is one of my favorite beatles tracks great song like the way that they have like the the reverse effect in the guitar mm. or or it's delayed or something no it's reverse um yeah. and they have that in tomorrow never knows too yeah um yeah i mean to me <laughs> to me revolver would be a, a, a perfect album if it didn't have a uh, yellow submarine on it 
<laughs> Too many people hate that song. I think it's nice. But, you know, I, I, I have a... I just find it so... Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, because, like, I watched The Yellow Submarine as a kid, and that was, like, one of my... Easily one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. And I, I revisited it a couple of couple of years ago, and I'm like, yep, still holds true. I, I love it. Um, I don't know. The Yellow Submarine song just warms my heart. So I guess I'm a little biased but as as a song i could see how people are like why the hell is this in the track list i like the movie i just think the song is just like it should have just been a single that they just put out there separately that's fair um i think it just interrupts the the gravitas of of the album like i hate that they have like like i I, to me for no one here, there, and everywhere, Eleanor Rigby should not be on the same album as Yellow Submarine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. You, you've you've made your point. So, anyway, so tomorrow never knows. Revolver forever. Good shit. Um, all right, so my number four pick is from the guitarist Tosh Sultana comes from Australia. Uh, so they are, uh, a one person act and they, they use loops and, uh, all these different effects to get their money's worth from the guitar. And it really shows Mm. now this song is off of their, I, I keep forgetting the name of the album. Fucking, uh, I'm really bad at remembering album names. God damn it. Oh, it's it's actually their only full album, Flow State, from 2018. So I think I'm cheating a little bit because the end of this album actually is like, there's a song called Outro that's like a minute. I I would really like the, uh, the ability to use the penultimate song, which ultimately uh, flows into the outro called Blackbird. Now it's no. this nine and a half minute track. Do you do you know this song? I mean, I know a different song called Blackbird. Well, not <laughs> not from the Beatles, but it you know. Right. Uh, so this is Tosh Sultana's Blackbird, nine and a half minute track. Absolutely epic. Um, it's from the beginning to the end. You're just on your seat, and it just kind of puts you in this world where it's. It makes me feel like I'm seeing a mirage in in the desert. I'm like dehydrated. I'm about to pass out. And I just like see something in the horizon. And that's what this song feels like. And it's just, there's like these, you know, open chords and there's like, you know, fast picking and these like beautiful exploding riffs. And I don't really know how to explain it other than the fact that you just feel like you're seeing a mirage. Um, and it has this magnificent ending to like, kind of like a, a more soft resolution. Um, I highly recommend it to anyone who enjoys good guitar playing. Uh, it's trippy and it pumps you up and it's great to listen to outside. Like it's perfect to, you know, sit, I have, I have a porch at my apartment. So like sometimes I'll just sit outside and listen to the song, uh, 
but yeah, Blackbird by Tosh Sultana. Nice. All right, um, on to you. Cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, so so we're in the you know upper echelon here, and I you know we're in my top three now, so I wouldn't really. You know the ranking is a little more murky up here. Sure. Um, but uh, so I next one I wanted to touch on is True Love Waits. Oh man! By yeah, you're gonna make by me cry. Radio- <laughs> uh, yeah. So so for the uninitiated, True Love Waits is the closing track to Radiohead's last album, or last so far, uh, 2016's A Moon Shaped Pool. Uh, it's a song that Tom York wrote like 20 years ago or whatever and uh, just never really, uh, I guess, recorded until this album. Uh, it's a very morose song. It's just, it's just him at the piano, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, um, um, just, just to clarify, he he originally tried recording this for the OK Computer Sessions and then he ended up right. dropping it. So... But, you know, even though it is an older song that he wrote, most likely in different circumstances, um, to me, it takes on a new life and a new significance uh, because shortly after he had, so he had just separated from his longtime partner of like, whatever, like 30 years, 25 years, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, with whom he has a few children and stuff. And it's it's this song about heartbreak and you know it's pleading don't leave, and uh, obviously I don't it wasn't written under those circumstances in you know, 1997, but um, it, it has a totally new meaning when you analyze it in some context. And what's even fucking sadder is like a few months after that album came out, she passed away. Yeah. Um, so, so it's even more like you just want to give Tommy work a big hug, and uh, it you know that whole album is very ambient, very piano driven, very um, you know lyrically is very you know conf- I, I I would say dejected and um, brooding in a way. And I think that true love weights really does, um, really does sum that up very well. I think Radiohead on average opens albums better than closes them, but true love weights is a, is a, I think it's a very good, uh, yeah. into, I mean, it's a very good, uh, you know, closer. I, I couldn't agree more. I, you, you know how much this album means to me. Um, yeah. this one, it, this is just heart wrenching, but in a beautiful way. So I, I won't, mm-hmm. I won't add too much to that. Um, it's, a lot of these songs, you just kind of have to listen to them to, to get the, to get the, the real. Yeah. Weight of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think at some point I'm going to make a, like a bunch of playlists that I could share to just be like, Oh, you know, we've talked a lot about different songs. Here are the songs so that you, you could listen along to them. Uh, cause you know, I, I, I do hope that some of you guys go out and actually listen to these songs because they're, they're really fantastic. Um, so shall I move on to my number three? Go for it. 
This is one that I know that you'll love too. So another band from Australia, Psych Rock. I, I can't even call it Psych Rock. They're just an alternative band called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And their most recent effort is the album Infest the Rat's Nest. And uh, they close the album with a song called Hell. Now, just a little bit of backstory. Uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard likes to... I'm just going to say King Gizzard for, for the next segment. But they they have this ability or interest in shifting genres quite frequently. So every album, as of, as of recently, they try doing different things. Now, this album was influenced heavily by thrash metal. So this is kind of their their taste of, of what they can do. And quite honestly, I, I hope they make a second thrash metal album because this, this thing is explosive. I, I love this album. Uh, but essentially, this album is the equivalent of like an environmentalist protest, but in song. And it follows this like science fiction dystopian uh, journey where, you know, you know, they, they've inhabited Mars, but only the super rich can, can go there. And as at the moment, the, the earth is deteriorating alarmingly and there's a super bug that's resistant to antibiotics, which is an unfortunate truth at the time of talking about this. Um, and the whole thing is just really like unsettling, but also kind of fun. But this, this song, Hell, is basically saying how, you know, the, the people were brought down to hell because of all the, all the bad things that they've done. And uh, this shit is explosive. And I don't know how to describe the last 45 <laughs> seconds of this, al- of, of this song, but it's like, oh, my God. You just want to, like, be in a mosh punch pit. Punch a cop. <laughs> yeah, punch a cop. <laughs> But also, but also be like, save the bees. And then like, um, like the, you know, the band kind of tricks you for a second there where they kind of like, they have this huge jam and then they like end. Yeah. And there's like a droning, there's like a droning for like a a few seconds. And then it has like this, it's, it's a riff that they were using in the song, but they, they start off slower and they're the the guitars are harmonizing, and then it speeds up, and the 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 drums are thundering, and it's just absolutely epic. And I think it's and an then, explosive finale. And then it ends with probably one of the coolest fucking verse, like just little stanzas there. Because I, I mean, you have like the the narrative of this album is like the story is so fucking cool. Absolutely. And, you know, they're coming back from hell, like they've been resurrected by Satan to go and purge, you know, and, and basically go and and lay waste to the capitalist pigs that, you know, destroyed the earth and then fled to Mars, leaving the, all the poor behind. Right, right. So, so it has this very, uh, you know, cryptic... 15 like, infantry paratroop into the propylene new scene. Hell's where they want to be. Infest the rat's nest. I mean, like they end the album with the title of the album. I mean, it's 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 great. Um, and then it's made it, it's made clear what the rat's nest is. Exactly. You know, who the rats are. Yeah. Oh God, it's so good. 
I love this album. <laughs> and the, you know, the, first of all, the, the end of this album is fantastic, but it's also only like 34 minutes. So <laughs> I highly implore anyone to just, if, if I mean, it's an episode of something. And at this rate, you guys have plenty of things that you're looking to do. So I highly recommend this album. But uh, with that being said, I'll let you go on to your number two. You know, what I should mention is like, honestly, I should have put that on mine. I figured you were going to, which is why I didn't put it. You can, you can, if you want, I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to be, we've already, you know, gone over it, but like, I, I gotta say, you know, that is very much, you know, that is also part of my, you know, upper tier of album enders, you know, it, I can't wait for them to make a sequel to it, to this album. I hope they do. I hope they do. Someone made a comment. They're like, I hope, I hope they start the next album with this, this last coda. Yeah. That would be sick. Or evil star. I feel like that could be fun too. Just like the way that, yeah, it's just such a great, like written riff. And you never, I, you know, they, they ventured into heavy territory before, but they just, you know, blew the doors off the fucking house with this yeah, album. They executed it really well. Yeah. So, uh, in in a similar heavy fashion, uh, but, you know, let's rewind almost 50 years. Uh, my number two here is When the Levee Breaks. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, Great choice. None other than... Letopithecus Zeppelini <laughs> uh, <laughs> on their famous 1971 album Led Zeppelin 4 or Damn. Untitled and um, you know I've already gushed over this album in our first episode but you know Led Zeppelin 4 could it, could, it literally is eight of their best songs and you know that album you know on its own just rocked the world so fucking hard <laughs> and and they end it and I'm glad that they don't end it Stairway to Heaven and they end it with When the Levy Breaks instead with this apocalyptic masterful cover of an old blues song um, but I gotta be honest you know, listen to the old one by Memphis Mini it does it, it, like it might as well just be like a different song because it's like some oh, shitty recorded like I'm going down to the levee and we're like whatever <laughs> like, <laughs> but but this song every member is just just fucking bringing it the I mean the star of the show is the drums you know these are probably the best recorded drums in, in modern music history famously and you know again keep this in a nutshell john bonham set his drum kit up at the bottom of this big stairwell so they just ran all these mics up and down the stairwell and recorded his drums there so that's why it has this very echoey boomy sound but you know there's this wailing you know in intense intimidating harmonica bit from robert plant and the the, the the guitar riff and the bass riff just work really like it's this plotting like intimidating minor key fucking slide guitar riff oh, and and then Robert Plant's vocals are just soaring through the you know over the top 
And what makes it so good as an album closer is the way that it all kind of swirls together at the end around Robert Plant going, you know, he's saying, going down, going down now, going down. Like you feel like you're yeah. just like descending into hell. And yeah, like that's how the album ends. Ah, oh, fuck, man, that's that's such a good closing track. <laughs> like, for, and the album also opens with fucking Black Dog. Oh God! <laughs> if it keeps on raining, levee's gonna break. I I I particularly love how freaking like wall busting the harmonica is too yeah. i just it's just so good god damn i think it's it's zeppelin at you know one of their peaks absolutely absolutely um all right so yeah that's that's my number two yeah it's a, it's a great number two <laughs> now i'm i'm known for good number twos <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations bubby um so for my number two I'm going to choose with I'm going to choose a song called Third Eye by Tool. Okay. A uh, famous prog rock band, uh famously known for not releasing an album for 13 years and having everyone with a neck beard shuffle up to you and be like, "Do you listen to Tool?" Um so, you know, the fan base is pretty similar to the band name. So, so this song, Third Eye, closes out the album uh, Anima from 1996. And it starts with kind of like, like a disorienting, like atmospheric, like you kind of feel like you're in a, like a womb of some sort or like an isolation tank. And uh, it starts with a, a bit uh, from Bill Hicks, a famous stand-up comedian who uh who died too soon from a from a drug overdose but the the song opens up with him doing a bit about how like how freeing psychedelic drugs are and he's like if you don't support drugs take all of your records all the musicians that you know throw them right out because they were really high on drugs so you wouldn't have you wouldn't have that um if you didn't have drugs so you know Maynard was like, this is brilliant. I'm going to write a song about opening your third eye with drugs. But it's like, I, I can't even do it justice because you need to listen to the song. It's just, it's like 13 minutes, which is, you know, it's a little testing for, for first time listeners, but I, I was already a fan of tool, but I discovered the song later in my uh, knowledge of, of the band and holy crap, when I first heard this, it it brings you through the it, it almost kind of feels like a, a rebirth. But there's the, the way that they in, they include synths and, and technological sounds to make it sound like you're you're like inside of a machine. Like there's 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 different like it almost sounds like there's points where uh, like machines are letting off steam, but it's like put through like a, a phaser and it's just really trippy. And then there's like different buildups and, uh, Danny Carey, the drummer is just ripping it up on the drums and, uh, it builds up and there's like screeching. And then all of a sudden Maynard just on the top of his lungs, just screams, 
prying open my third eye. And it's just like this like staccato and like the, the drums kind of like follow it and, and cut off when he's done singing. And I, I can't do this justice at all, but it is one of the best, most explosive grand finales to any album that I've ever listened to. And like the first time I listened to it, when the song was over, I was like, fuck, I need a break. Like that was, that was exhausting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's third eye for you. I, at, um, when you were first introducing this, I thought you were going to say third eye blind. Oh God, no. <laughs> Instead you kind of went the opposite direction of that. Yeah, this is definitely not third eye blind. Uh, so if I may, you know, wax a little bit about tool, um, something that always kind of frustrated me, um, I'm a pretty, like, lazy guy when it comes to exploring music, like, new music. Um, and and for me, what helps is if everything is accessible through one platform or through the, you know, the platform that I'm on that I used to listen to all of my other music. Um, so Tool very famously didn't offer any of their music through iTunes or Spotify or Apple Music or anything uh, until 2019. And, you know, they've been around since like the early 90s, I think, at least. Yeah. And, you know, generations of, yeah, like so many people who are, again, less lazy than I am, who, you know, go out and buy CDs and stuff you know, new, no tool a hell of a lot better than I do. But the problem for me is I'm lazy. And 99% of the music I listened to was on iTunes when I was a kid. And then Spotify when I was, you know, when I like was a senior in high school or first year of college. Uh, and Tool was not available on either of those. And so for me... And I, I, I hope I would assume many other people. I feel like they did themselves a disservice by not, you know, by by losing out on a big chunk of a new generation of potential tool tool fans. Yeah, new tools so, to the tool shed. Right, <laughs> exactly. So I, you know, that had always sort of frustrated me. That's fair. That's fair. I, I guess that never really bothered me much. Um, but I guess now you don't have an excuse. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I, I definitely, I highly implore anyone to check them out, especially if you like prog rock or, or like heavy metal and stuff. They're, they're pretty good. Um, take it in small doses though. Cause like it's not, it, it is like a lot to listen to and, and digest. Uh, but yeah, f- you know, be, be ready for like the type of fans that, think they're intellectuals because they watch Rick and Morty, you know, like it's just, it's like the, like, you know, you know, Mater is so deep about this. And I'm like, it, it, yeah, you know, you're not wrong, but there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, the, this, this song is just like, I thought was like the, the pinnacle of their, their strengths as a band where they're, they're mixing, you know, hard rock, progressive rock slash metal, um, you know, adding synths and just, I mean, the, the vocal performance is perfect on this, so 
Uh, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I fell asleep once listening to Tool and I woke up wearing cargo shorts. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm like vaping. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh, um, God. All right. Awesome. What, dude, we made it. What's what's your number one pick? Or if, if it is your number one, it's your, yeah, your no, fluid is, number one. This is definitely, I would say this is this is a number one. Um, and, and I think you already know the song is Bold as Love by Jimi Hendrix from his 1967 album Axis Colon, Bold as Love. And, uh, to me, again, this is a, this is a perfect summation of where Hendrix is in his career as a, you know, pushing the boundaries of what music could discover and explore and, and open the gateway to. And it's this, it's this incredible, just fireworks display, you know, in music that's just bursting around, you know, in a 360 direction around your, your head and your eyes and your ears and, 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 you know, he's playing like he's fucking possessed and, but in a beautiful way, like he's possessed by like a flower demon. And, <laughs> um, you know, there's, it, it, it's just so evo- like, it is one of the most quintessential psychedelic sounds to me, the, you know, the sound of that harpsichord with the, you know, the flanger effect on it and the phase drums and, and yeah. the guitar solo just sort of soaring over it and, crashing through it's like you know it just sounds like fireworks to me and i you know what a to me it's just one of the most evocative and 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 perfect endings to an album absolutely i uh yeah i i mean i i don't know if it carries the same weight to me as it does for you but it's fucking incredible that that's that's a beautiful album and to, to think that he was able to think of you know all those effects and and the riffs i mean it, it's fantastic i every now yeah. and then i'll i'll return back to Jimi hendrix because it's like it's like it's like you know going back to your ancestors i mean the the two of us you know our you know our our like music bible has been classic rock and, you know, we wouldn't be anywhere without Jimi Hendrix. Um, and I, I really don't have too much to say about that song in particular. But, uh, well, I, I'm i a huge fan of the song Little Wing. And that kind of holds the same weight that it does for you for uh, Bold as Love. Um, you know, I can only listen to it at certain points. Like, I, I can't just turn it on and, and enjoy it. Like I have to be in a certain state of mind. Um, but it, it takes me places for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I, I've told you this before. I actually, I, I don't listen to that song that often because I needed to like preserve the same effect that it has. It's like, you know, it's like that bit. It's like, I don't do drugs so that when I do, do drugs, <laughs> yeah, Oh man, no, that that's a, that's exactly the, I mean, that, that's a perfect way to explain it. It's like, you can't oversaturate yourself with that song. Yeah. 
Um, shall I move on to number one? Go for it. Don't call me a poser. But in 1973, Pink Floyd came out with <laughs> one of the most iconic albums, The Dark Side of the Moon. I, I say don't call me a poser because I know a lot of people are like, oh, Dark Side of the Moon is my favorite album. It really is for a variety of reasons, partially for sentimental, but also musically, it's like one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Um <laughs> And, you know, as, as we talked about this before, like, like with Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, two of like my most, you know, foundational rock bands, I, you know, cycle between listening to them, like, you know, every like couple years, I'll be like, oh, time to, you know, exclusively listen to Pink Floyd or (laughs) exclusively listen. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Like, (laughs) um, here I go killing again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the song Eclipse brings me to tears at times. I mean, it's just such a grand finale. And now th- this is an album where I was really thinking of putting Speak to Me slash Breathe as one of my top favorite openers, but I didn't want to use the same album because I, you know, I wanted to add some variety. Um, but Eclipse, I mean, I, I really, I, you're, you're better at explaining it, but like I wish I could articulate how much this song means to both me and and the band and the history of of rock and roll but uh I recently revisited it because for the the third season finale of Westworld uh which is a great show highly recommend um the the season finale ends with the song Brain Damage and I was like blown away just because of how perfectly the the song worked into the theme of that season. And I'm not I'm not spoiling anything, so don't get don't get mad. But um, but like when I first heard that that piano riff, so they they did a piano cover at first for Brain Damage, and I was like, this sounds really familiar. What is this? And then it bursted out into the studio recording, and I was like. Oh my God, this is beautiful. And the reason I say that is because the song Brain Damage melts into the song. I actually not even melts. It, it like explodes into eclipse. And this is, this is a grand finale. If I've ever seen one, I mean, you've got, you've got all gears running. You have organs blasting, you have choirs singing, and it's just, it's it's beautiful it, it, and the the magnitude uh i mean i can't even imagine what someone from 1973 must have like felt when they when they heard this for the first time um and you you know i i always thought that this album was kind of like a metaphor for humanity and and kind of and also uh, alludes to sid barrett's uh you know, mental demise and, and suffering from his, uh, mental illness and, you know, partially, you know, reaching insanity or for me, I, it's not exactly clear, but, um, I mean, it's just like, kind of like the same lyric every now and then. it's like, and all that you see, all that you taste, all you feel 
and all that you love, all that you hate. I mean, it's just like, and then it ends with, and everything under the sun is in tune, but the sun is eclipsed by the moon. I mean, I, I can't think of better lyrics to wrap up an album. And, uh, you know, at the end it kind of fades out and you, you hear like that, that recording in the distance where it's like, There's uh, no dark there, side of the there moon, is really. no dark side of the moon. It's all dark. And I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, I, I hope you could add on to this because I, I'm not, ge- I'm not doing the song justice whatsoever. No, no, no. I think you're doing a, a very good job. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to say about dark side of the fucking moon? Right. I mean, and, and I think that eclipse is uniquely, you know, I didn't pick eclipse partially because I wanted to go sort of off the beaten path with pigs on the wing. Uh, but also cause I, I knew that you were going to pick it. And, but, but, you know, a, it is a stunning ornate conclusion, grandiosely, you know, sort of, kaleidoscopically looking at all the themes that uh, you know waters wrote about through the whole album uh, which is you know modern life and madness and stuff and it's just summing it up with a really you know relatively pretty simple poem and um but there's just this triumphant like just cat you know, spiraling you know you know wondrous quality to the song and if you know i i I don't know what it would would have been like to be a 13 year old in 1973 listening to it for the first time i know what it was like to be a 13 year old in 2008 listening to it for the first time uh because that that's when i listened to it for the first time and i was like what the fuck you know it was like it was like a lightning bolt just through my brain. And, um, you know, uh, I, I saw Roger Waters in concert in 2017. Um, this is the second time I've seen him. Um, but he closed his set, his regular set with Eclipse. And um, Roger Waters is a songwriting genius and he's also a master of spectacle and, 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 and show production. And what ended up happening was he constructed the dark side of the moon prison out of lasers and laser beams. Oh, I I saw that. Yeah. In the audience where I was standing, like it was literally around me. Like I was in the fucking prison and then he had this big silver orb floating through the middle of it. And, and it's just like, you know, it, it was just this, it, like, I wasn't high, I wasn't drunk, but I was on a, it was, you know, it's genuinely one of those things where you do not need a single substance to appreciate it. You're in this, you know, it's the closest I've been to like an out of body experience. Oh um, man. You know, just through this, this almost assault on your sight and your, and, and your hearing, the, just this tower, I, like I, I, I almost wept with how good it was, and just the, the idea, like everything under the sun is in tune, but the sun is eclipsed by the moon, and it just, just, like it ends on this final note, and you know, I had listened to the song 
probably two million times before that. But seeing this and literally, <laughs> like, I was on the floor of the of the Barclays, and the prison was around me. Like to be oh, in my God. the Dungeon Prison while Eclipse is playing, you know, I challenge, I challenge you to find me a Pink Floyd fan who doesn't weep when that happens. Oh, I mean, they, if if I was unless in they that, really like Trump, if 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 I was in that position, and I it's it's really a shame because. That show went to TD Garden, and I almost went. I just didn't have the funds for it because the tickets were a little expensive. But if I was there, I for sure would have broken down crying. Okay, I mean, like, that's just, like, that's the peak of of art. I mean, you know, like, that's, you know, that, that is that is a product of, of an artist slash band that is very in touch with... Um, you know, the human condition and the potential of how music can, you know, can release things from you. And I mean, I, I, this, this album is, is beautiful. It's one of those things where every now and then I'll, I'll re-listen to it and just find new ways to appreciate it, whether it's a track or, or a lyric or, I mean, like, for example, the great gig in the sky, there's no words. It's just a woman just belting her heart out after being told like this is what you know sing like you're like you're dying like what what do you feel death is and she just <laughs> sings and i'm like it's it's genius i mean how, how do they fucking come up with this stuff <laughs> um so. there's i don't know if you if you know the youtube channel polyphonic oh yeah he's doing the series on it yeah yeah it's pretty good I I, enjoy, I I think I watched the the first three and I I don't know if it's only three out right now but uh, I I'm very impressed by the guy's editing skills and and being able to uh, like elaborate on on mm. the behind the scenes of the songs and stuff. Yeah, it. Um, yeah, he's pretty good. He's up to Great Gig in the Sky so far. Oh fuck! Great. I have to I have to watch that. <laughs> Um, so, so definitely check that out. And yeah, I mean, Dark Side of the Moon is, it's just one of those, like, yes, it's, it's, it is a fixture of modern music, um, but for good reason. And, and it is probably one of the most brilliant comment, you know, commentaries on modern life that there is. And it's, you know, lyrically and sonically just top to bottom flawless and and i agree it ends on a on a definite high yeah yeah oh god i'm gonna have to listen to this when i when we stop recording (laughs) but um yeah we did it (laughs) my god this is gonna be two separate episodes we have to do uh, yeah. openers and then closures will be a separate one. Jesus. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So not to cut something, cut it too short, but I should, I, I got it. Oh I yeah. Yeah. Run. Yeah. Let's, let's wrap this up. But anyway, yeah. folks, these were our favorite album openers and closers. I hope you knew some and agreed with us, or I hope you found songs that have new resonations with you. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's all I have to really say. I, I don't have anything else to 
to conclude with. What about you, Dylan? Any final words? Um, listen to all of the albums and songs that we mentioned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you got the time. I, I know you guys aren't going anywhere. Just, just listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's about it. All right, man. Dylan, thank right. you. Everyone, this is Dylan, my co-host. He's music <laughs> wizard. Uh, obviously, he's going to come back and we'll talk about some other shit. But thank you for listening, everyone. Stay fabulous. And we'll see you next time.